Well, are you too tired to hear from the Word of God? No, we're not. That's the correct answer. Thank you. Let me just say something uh, before I begin, because this is important. You sent me away this week, whether you know it or not. Actually, the elders sent me away, and you paid for the plane ticket. And my family sent me away, and they paid the emotional price, although I'm not sure how great that price is. Uh, I went to an island, uh, South Bass Island, Lake Erie, and just spent 14 hours a day for a week hearing from God. And it was great. Um, Got a lot accomplished. I got the rest of the summer sermon outlines done, and, and I've got every Sunday in 1991 the topic, what we're going to be talking about. But that's not all. There was something better than that, something that I want you to know about. And as I watched 1991 unfold, and I did this was not in the plan, this was just in the hearing, I noticed that God is going to do something significant with us. First trimester of that year, next year, we're going to be talking about, you know, Northland's mission is to bring people to maturity in Christ. That's what we're here for. That's, it's very simple. The the operative word being maturity. Um, And so what we are, the first part of that is just going to be what it means to be an operational, functional, functional, mature Christian. That's the first trimester of preaching. The second trimester of preaching is what you all know to be true, that as soon as you start making spiritual progress in your life, you get attacked. There's a spiritual warfare that's going on. You know that happens if you're making any progress. So for the second trimester, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. And we're talking about having victory over the adversary in our lives. But the third, third trimester, and this sounds so arrogant even as I say it, and I hope that you won't take it as that because it's not mine we I, I think there's something missing in Christendom that hasn't been here for 2,000 years in the first place I want to, I want to tell you where I'm coming from I believe that spiritual discoveries can happen in the spiritual life just as just as natural discoveries that can happen in the natural life that is that as we go and we discover more about how the physical world is arranged And we call that a discovery. Um, I believe that there are those things also that happen in spiritual dimensions. I do not believe that God has taught us everything that he has to teach us yet. Jesus was very plain when he was in this world to his disciples. John 12, 12, I have much to tell you, but you can't receive it right now. But John 12, 13, he said, I'll send you a Holy Spirit when he comes that will bring you to all truth. Well, let me ask you real truthfully. Do you think that God has brought his world into all the truth yet? Even the Christian kingdom into all the truth there is yet? I don't. And so I believe that there's something that I'm not, that that none of us are really hearing these days. I don't know what it is yet. I just got a taste of it this week. You know, it was just, it was just kind of there and then, you know, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And it has something to do with living profoundly. Something to do with not 
taking any of the religious things that we routinize through our different styles of worship. And I believe God works in every church. You know that. And I believe God reason, has, a, has a reason that he has so many different churches. He loves variety. He's a God of variety. And so there's value in all of that. But in all of our routine, we've gotten surface. And I don't know, you know, I've, I looked over, I was sitting, I've been in ministry 20 years. And I'm still sending people to Christian counseling with the same problems they had 20 years ago. With about the same degree of success. Now these are Christians. I still see people who no matter how many signs they see from God, go and live the same lives with the same problems, not recognizing one whit further God's will for their lives. Or thinking that there's any other dimension to live on. Now we know it intuitively. Becky said, Becky said one time, how can I feel like all the world is a bunch of insignificant details that I'm supposed to accomplish, but yet I'm absolutely indispensable, or those are absolutely indispensable. How can they be so insignificant on one hand, you know, getting everybody's clothes washed or making sure your kids have brushed your teeth, um, but yet you feel like if you don't do them, the world's going to fall apart. Well, I know a lot of people like that. You feel, we feel like we just run from day to day in all of this activity, and it's clear up here, it's never down here. It never really makes a difference in God's world. We feel that. Although we've all got the sense that we were sent here to make a difference. And part of it is that we simply relate on surface levels with surface issues because they seem important. You know, I read in a book this week that the reason that the Titanic sank, one of the reasons the Titanic sank was because all of these maiden voyage passengers who were so wealthy went in and insisted using the radio to call in to shore, saying, I'm on a shortwave radio, we're on this maiden voyage, it's all that kind of stuff. And they sat there with all this pitter-patter, and so none of the ships that were trying to warn the Titanic could get a radio signal through because the lines were all tied up with, with this pitter-patter talk. I feel like our Christian life is the same way. There's something not here yet. And I feel like God wants to tell us. I, I feel like it's not an information thing. It's a, it's a way of living. It's a recognition thing. I, don't, I can't quite put my... So anyhow, I say that to say this. Would you please continue to pray for me that I can listen and that I will have the time, long periods of time, to listen in order to to track down what God's begun. And secondly, and even more importantly, would you begin to listen for that thing that is between the lines? It's not that we don't know enough yet. We know enough. It's not that we have further teaching to go. You can turn on the TV and get the most wonderful teaching in the world. There's something between the lines that we haven't caught yet. So would you begin to pray for that also? And just see what God would tell you and tell me so that everybody can... I mean, something's going to happen. And it's going to be neat. Now, it's, it's almost noon. And I haven't even started preaching yet. So I just want you to unbutton your first button here. 
And let me tell you about God's will. And I will go through these points quickly and briefly, not to rush, but because you know them already. First of all, if you will read Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 with me, it says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. That's something I was just talking about. Because the days are evil. Evil, the Greek word is, is ponerous, and it means um, stingy. It means they'll steal from you. The days will steal from you. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I believe that God made every person in this sanctuary for a purpose. God knew what he was doing when he made you. He knit, the, he knit you together in your mother's womb. Psalm 139, read it, it's thrilling. All of you are different. He has a purpose for you all. Now, right away when we start talking about God's will, everybody says, well, yeah, God wills what's right. And if you try hard enough, you'll do what's right and you'll be a good person. That's God's will. Surface. God made your life with an end, a tilios. The Greek word is tilios. It means function, purpose, end. He made you for a reason. For good works that you should walk in them. So, our thing is to be unrestful till we find it. Now, I want you to know a few things. First of all, if you want to know God's will for your life, if, if what I just said means anything to you, I want you to know that the Spirit's already working in your life. Because there's nothing natural that wants more work to do <laughs> or something else to learn. Naturally, we're lazy bums unless we're compulsive. Some of us are compulsive. But naturally, we're lazy. So if there's something inside of you that said, boy, I really would like to know what God wants for my life. As a matter of fact, I always felt like there was a plan for my life, and I never knew quite what it was. And yeah, when he, as soon as he said that, there's something inside of me that just says, yeah, I want to know that. I want you to know that's the Spirit of God already working. Secondly, I want you to know that God has given you the capacity to know what that plan is for your life. He wouldn't make it and not allow you to know it. God is a self-revealing God. That's why we have the Bible. That's why we have Jesus. Because he revealed himself in those things. And so therefore, it's important you to know that God wants you to know what his purpose is and his plan is for your life. And that he has given you the capacity to understand it. Third, I want you to know that it's very, very important to praise God before you begin to expect to understand what he has to say to you. You know why? Because praise is the universal dynamic that opens our spirits to God. And you need to be able to praise God for any circumstance that you're in. Now, this sounds awful, but it's true. Because the basic assumption is, if, if you can't praise God for the circumstance that you're in, you don't think he's in there with you. And if he's not in there with you, he can't guide you out of it. And if he's not in there with you, and if something has happened against his will, he's not sovereign. 
And he's not all powerful. So therefore he can't um, um, make his plan work for your life. So it's very, very important that we learn how to praise God even before we ask specifically what, what he would have us do in this circumstance. Now there are three, there are, you'll hear will a lot in Christian circles. Um, uh, biblically, there are two words for God's will. One is bulima, and it means God's unconquerable will. He's going to accomplish it with or without you. <laughs> He's going to have it done in this world. And so you can't ruin it, and you can't resist it, and there's nothing you can do about it. He's going to get it done. It's his will. But there's also thelema. And thelema is the will that he has for our lives that takes our cooperation in order to accomplish. And therefore, this morning we're talking about thelema. Now, basically, technically, there are, I guess you could say there are three ways of looking at God's will. There's God's perfect will that that he meant for you always to walk in. And he meant for me always to walk in, but I chose not to walk in it. I'm a sinner. And I like to do things my own way, and I like to do things not God's way because they look more attractive to me at times, and so therefore I got off of his perfect will for my life. And I took a detour, and I found myself in circumstances that were not God's will, and I knew it. So therefore, in those circumstances, I ask, okay, what is God's circumstantial will? In other words, if I've got a choice to make, what choice do, what would God have me do here? Now, most people, when they ask for God's will, that's what they're asking for. You've come up against something in your life and you don't know what to do. And so you go, okay, God, what's your will? Well, what you're usually asking for is what his circumstantial will is. Give me, a, give me a decision for this right here. You're not asking what his ultimate will is, which is how do, you, how do you get back to that perfect will from where you are? So anytime you ask for a, for, for a decision, for God to help you make a decision in your life or to make his will known, I want you to ask two things. First of all, God, what do I do in this case right here? That's his circumstantial will. And his... And secondly, how do I get back to where I've started, where, I, where you want me to go? What's, what is your perfect will for my life? What is your purpose for my life? Where do you eventually want me to be? And God can tell you. Now let me give you several ways that he can tell you. First of all, he can tell you if you come to know scripture. It's a long process, by the way. Sometimes God will be real merciful and just show you, I mean, very clearly. But more times than not, if you're talking about God's will and purpose for your life, it's a long process of learning. So therefore, you need to know Scripture. And when I say know Scripture, I don't say not, no content. I, know, I say no in the Hebrew sense of the word know. To know is to have a relationship with. And so therefore, you have read Scripture so much and so regularly that you begin to think Scripture. It's not just how many sons Nahum had. Bible quizzes are fine, but they, but they don't teach you how to think scripturally. And so when, when, you have, when you have scriptural knowledge, when you have a relationship with scripture, you begin to perceive as scripture does. You begin to have the mind of Christ. Secondly, you need to know yourself. When you say, God, what do you want of me? You've got, to know some, you've got to know yourself well enough that you know what the general arena is, what you like to do and what you don't do very well. 
If God came to me and said, Hunter, I want you to be a Christian mechanic, I know it was Satan. I know it was. First of all, I know the difference in the voices, but in the second place, that's not how I'm arranged. That's not how I'm wired. Machines are my enemies. They are. They hate me. Machines hate me. They break on me. They make fun of me. Remember those old Twilight Zones where machines talk to people, you know, and try to run them down and all that? That's me. That's me. I can't do anything mechanically. When I was on the island and I decided to get some exercise, my, my foot's been hurting, so I haven't been running, so I decided, well, there's a bicycle. You know, what can you do with a bicycle? So I hopped on the bicycle and I started riding, and I noticed the tires were, were low, and so I stopped in a gas station, and I just, what kind of brains does it take to fill up a tire with air? Not, so I put, and I did this thing, and I was figuring out how this worked, and I looked, and the tire had come loose, and here comes this big bubble out of the tire, the inner tube, and I looked over and went, bam! And this, my hair stood all out like this. And of course, everybody's standing around going, blow the tire up, did you? And I walked the tire back to the house. This is my sister and brother-in-law's house. And they have a couple of guys that are working on the house that are very mechanically inclined. They can do anything. And they'd say, did you, they said, did you puncture the tire? He says, no, I, I said, no, I went down to blow up the tires and I blew up the tires. And, and they, just, they just looked at me and said, oh, like, like, you know. So I went and got the inner tube, got another inner tube, and, and put it out by the thing. And, I, you know, I said, well, you know, Hunter, you shouldn't be using other people's stuff anyhow. You know, I'm, I'm kind of funny about that. Don't feel good about it. But then I thought, no, that bicycle is not going to conquer me. I'm going to go, and I'm just going to ride that bicycle all over, and it's not going to conquer me. So the next day I go out, when it came time for my break, and I go out, and I just ride that bike all over the island. Ride, 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 ride. And, I, and I'm pumping hard to get my heart rate up and so on and so forth. And I'm coming down a hill. I must have been going 40 miles an hour on this bicycle. And I thought, maybe I'll look behind me, see if there's any cars there. <laughs> so I look around there. Nope, no cars. But I look here, and two feet away from the front tire is a curb. And that bike hits that curb, and I launched over the handlebars. <laughs> Rolled on the wall, boom, 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 boom. They're all in grass, all in things. There's blood coming down. My clothes are all up like this, you know. And everybody just standing around going. Now, Isaac, my boys said, Dad, when you do that, here's what you do. You just get up and you, you say real loudly, Is the puppy okay? I didn't hit the puppy, did I? I thought <laughs> that was pretty clever. But see, I didn't think that fast. And so I just got, I'm all right, I got, I'm all right, you know. So, but, but I rode the bicycle back to the house. Here's these two mechanical guys standing out in the front. What happened to you? Did a car hit you? No. Did you blow another tire? No. What happened? I uh, just fell over a curb. Oh. See? Well, anyhow. See, I know myself, and I know if God would call me to be a missionary pilot, that wouldn't be him. I mean, think how many planes we'd go through. <laughs> it just wouldn't be him. So you've got to know how you're wired. You've got to know what you do well and what, what, how God... See, God made you for a purpose so that you would operate in it. That's why it's so important to discover your spiritual gifts, but just as the front line, not as the purpose of your life. Spiritual gifts are just tools that God gives you. That's not the end. So anyhow, know God, know yourself, Know Jesus. Know the voice of Christ. And this takes years, like any other relationship. You know how it is when a person calls you up. Some people call you up and say, 
hi, this is Bob, and I was wondering, and he's just going, you're thinking, Bob who? Oh, gosh, say something. I gotta look. Just listen. Just, uh, uh, and you've already said, oh, Bob, you know, and you're thinking, how many Bobs do I know? You know, and you keep listening, and you're keep thinking, who is this guy? And finally, you've got to say, uh, <laughs> this is really embarrassing. That, what Bob is this, you know? Well, you know some guys, some people like that. But then you know other people, as soon as they call up, you hear their voice, you know who they are. Because you're that familiar with them. There are other people you know well enough that when you get in conversations with them, you know what they're going to say even before they say it. Because they're always saying the same stuff. <laughs> and so you, you go, oh, here comes the part about, you know, when you're talking with your mother, you know what she's going to say. You bring anything up, you know what she's going to say. You lived with her that long. There are still other people that they, you can get in any situation and you know them well enough to know exactly what they'd say in that kind of a situation. Well, when I say know Jesus, that's what I'm talking about. When you, when you get to know him so that in any situation, you know exactly what he'd say. You've talked with him that long. You've heard him that many times. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. And that is possible. It takes years of listening it takes years of knowing scripture. It takes years of being around other people who also know him. But it's possible. It's fully possible. And that's what he wants. Now, two more things and then I'll quit. First of all, it's important that if you're really serious about knowing God's will for your life, somewhere along the line, you get a Christian friend or two who not only knows you, but knows the Lord who will be honest with you and give you one of these. You wish that was his will for your life. Or you wish, you, you wish that wasn't his will for your life, but it is. You know why? Because all of us have a blind spot. All of us have, still have sin in our lives. And so, the, and the heart is deceitful, you know. The scripture says that, uh, Jeremiah 17, the heart's deceitful. So we all would like to think that God's will is this way. And if we, if we stay alone, maybe we can fool ourselves into thinking that God... And you need Christians to just say, wait a minute, Jack. You know you're on the wrong track here. All of us need a person like that. Or a, group, a small group is even better. And then lastly, you know what you need? You know what I need? Before we ever... Before we ever come to the place where we expect God's will to be fully revealed to us. We need to be determined and serious that we're going to carry it out. You know why? Because God doesn't just give out information. God is serious. He's not going to play with you. He's not going to give you a multiple choice answer. Say, guess what? You know, he is serious. And if you're just curious, he's not going to tell you what he wants from your life. But if you're to the place where you're saying, you tell me and I'll do it, he'll tell you eventually. I guarantee it. This guarantees it. The whole character of Scripture guarantees it. He made you for a purpose. And I'm going to pray a prayer for all of us right now. And in that prayer, I'm going to put a curse on us all. No, it's a great blessing. The blessing is this. That all of us stay miserable enough that we keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking 
until we find out God's purpose for our lives and we know why he made us and every day we can get up and go toward that direction. Would you pray with me? Lord, there are little things for us to do and we know that and we don't mind those. But if all of them could be accumulated toward a certain purpose, if we could see what you would have us be, what we could be for you, how we could love you with our lives and establish something that would last forever, then that's what we'd love. And I do ask for myself and for us all that you would make our lives not only uncomfortable, but in certain circumstances, miserable until we find your purpose in our lives. Until we come to know how you made us and why you made us so that we can be truly complete and fulfilled by answering the teleos, the function for which we were born. It is a great privilege to know that you have paid special attention to us and there was a reason why you put us in this world. Don't get off our backs until we discover it. We pray in the name of the one whose face was set toward Jerusalem for the purpose that benefited us all. Jesus, amen.